Cool. Well, let's just get going here. Perfect. Uh, for everyone out there, we are sitting down with Crease Busby, Caliber Home Loans. I've worked with Crease forever. Um, for a lot of clients, um, Tarks just love, everyone loves working with Crease. Super knowledgeable um, about the market and is just really, really good with the details and working with people who have a lot of questions about, you know, the mortgage industry and, and how to purchase a home. And when I have a client specifically that I know that um, might need a little bit more detail or handholding, uh, Crease is the angel that comes in and just makes everything so smooth and everyone just loves working with her. So um, thank you for you know sitting down with me today and, and doing this. I think it, we've talked about it before, it's just really good to sit down, see each other's faces and kind of talk shop about what's going on in, in the markets. Yeah. and. I follow up, you know, or follow the mortgage industry pretty closely, um, but it's always good to hear it straight from the horse's mouth and, and to hear your different um, perspective on what actually is going on. So, um, yeah, we'll just kind of dive in. You want to ch yeah. chat about kind of the market and what that's been doing lately? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much. It's truly my honor to join you. And I always love working with you and your clients and, and I love helping people. So it's, it's a lot of fun for me to get into the details because I love the details in this business. So yeah, you know, the market is, is good. It's, it's pretty interesting really what we've seen happen. Um, I think a lot of us, I mean, everybody, when we started into this pandemic in February, March, a lot of us didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what would be the effect on the market, what would be the effect on the housing market. Mm -hmm. And what we ended up seeing is, is you know, back in, in March, stock market got a little bit volatile for a while. The Fed really got that into check, which was great, calmed the markets down and rates plummeted to yep. absolute historical lows which has really created a great opportunity for clients that own homes, clients that want to get into homes, because, you know, the lower the rates go, the more buying power people have. And, you know, in it, we live in a pretty high cost area where there's been a lot of people that have thought, well, I just can't afford to buy, so I'm just going to rent. It's really created a lot, lot of opportunities. The good news is um, people, I, I, I credit everyone because everyone's had to work together in this pandemic, but the market is coming back really well. You know, companies are opening back up again. The, the markets have been pretty darn stable. If you have money in a stock market, money in a 401k, your account is doing great. That also is a good measure for how the economy is doing in general. You know, this pandemic was something no one's ever got, no one in our generation has ever experienced. Yep. And it really is kind of a point in time where we had to just shut the economy down. It's been interesting to see that as it's opened back up, companies have come back. Um, we see sales up 6% year over year in our area. Um, our area is unique because it's a very a high activity area. A lot of people want to live here. There's still a lot of multiple offers. Um, but I think low rates are really driving the market. The Federal Reserve talked a couple weeks ago about their forecast, and they really expect rates to stay down in this low range until about 2023. 
So that's great news. You know, and every year unemployment is, is expected to continue to be lower and lower as we recover, which will bring more buyers into the market. Um, but it's really nice to, to know that we'll, we'll have a long-term effect of, of low rates. That's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. And then, so those low rates, are we, um, are we talking all different types of products? Because, you know, we're yes. with what's going on. We're seeing a lot of secondary home purchases. We're seeing a lot of actually 1031 exchanges too from investors yes. who are looking to get out and move it into to other properties. So are they pretty consistent across the board? They are. So, so in, in King, Pierce, and Snohomish counties, those are considered high cost areas. So every year, Housing and Urban Development, which is a federal agency, looks at the median house prices in every county across the nation, and then they set what we call the conforming loan limit at a certain amount. Right now, that's at $741,750 for 2020. And what that means by conforming loan amount is that's kind of your, your traditional loans that everybody sees advertised online. So they have the most flexible guidelines, you know, they allow for 5% down, 10% down, 3% down. They're they're just more the standard loans that most people are going to be be aware of. And so that loan limit in King County is 741750, which is great because it captures a lot of people that would ordinarily find themselves in what we call a jumbo type loan product, which is any loan amount above that 741, 750 threshold. And it has just tighter guidelines, requires a bit more down payment. But across the board, yes, just this week, Freddie Mac was quoting the 30-year fixed average across the nation was at 2.87 percent, really low, and that's assuming 0.8 in points, so like 0.8 buy-down points. The 15-year was at 2.37 as a benchmark um, average with 0.7 in points. Now that's for conforming loans under that 741, 750 mark. When you get into jumbo, those rates are a little bit higher. And that's because they're they're considered riskier loans, they're higher loan amounts, there's more at stake, the underwriting guidelines are a little bit tighter. But still, you know, even those loans run a quarter percent higher, maybe. So really low across the board. And then so are you finding that people are doing more of the 30-year fixed um, versus doing the arms? Because I know that the arms are pretty popular a few years ago. Yes, the fixed rate products right now are by far the best in the market. And the reason why I say that is the ARM loans, there are, there are exceptions to that rule. Sometimes you'll find some private money, typically for jumbo loans, where they will choose to what we call securitize that ARM. And so they'll kind of go out and they'll offer a, a great rate on an ARM for a really limited but pretty tight guidelines. A limited group of people will qualify. But the vast majority of the marketplace right now, the arms are not in favor. And the reason for that is what drives interest rates is anytime you're making a loan to somebody, there is an investor that buys a security on the other side called a bond, a bond security. And right now with the uncertainty in the market, 
those investors are buying long-term securities. So that's why you're seeing the rates come down for 30-year fixed, 15-year fixed, because they're the longer-term securities yep. than you're seeing for a shorter-term security. So I, I haven't done an ARM loan for a client in probably six, seven months because it just hasn't made sense. Sometimes they price worse than the 30-year fixed. Yeah, it's all very interesting how that, depending also too on the appreciating markets and how... Now, a lot of yeah. people did the arms back in the, let's say 2011 to 2014, probably because you're also an appreciating market and, um, you know, you're more of a short term, the five year, the seven year, the 10 year. So just yeah. kind of depends on what the market is doing too. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is they've, there's now enough research after the financial crash before the financial crash, people kept their loans an average of under four years now, over the last 10 years, that it's longer. People stay in their homes and are keeping their loans closer to six to seven years. Yeah. So the, it's a longer period of time. And so the arms were a lot more popular when people were, those were turning over more quickly. Yeah. And I guess people now too, with interest rates have been so low for so long, they're staying and refinancing too. So that's probably another, I mean, obviously we just, we're going through a refinance right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's also been a huge trend this year as people yeah. hunkering down, staying in their current home also, and just yeah. basically refinancing to get the payments down lower. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of trends that we're seeing this year. It's pretty exciting, actually. And um, the trends that we're seeing is, is people are, a lot of people are, they, if they really like their house, they've either determined with this lockdown and homeschool and all that, that, hey, we love our house, we love the location, we want to do a remodel. So we're going to look at doing a remodel. And that can be financed through a cash out refinance where you're tapping into equity in the property that you currently own. Mm -hmm. And people can pull out the equity out of that home to pay for that remodel or potentially a purchase of a new home that they want to make. So the construction industry is really benefiting from this, the, you know, the pandemic response, I should say the reaction coming out of the pandemic because a lot of changes have happened. And so, so yeah, people are doing projects, um, cash out refinances to, to do remodels um, at really nice low rates or they can just do no cash out refis and save a lot of money, help their cash flow, shorten up that term of the loan if the goal is to pay the loan off quickly. Yeah. Lots of different options. What are those rates that you're finding for those cash out? Like what's an approximate? Yeah, I mean, those definitely price higher. You're looking at about a quarter percent to three eighths of a percent higher. Um, on a cash out refinance than you are. If you think about a loan rate and what you'd be paying for that, right? So it's yes. more reasonable to do one of the cash out refinances than to go get a loan. You it's know? still the, the less, it, it's still the least costly and most efficient way to finance a home project. If you're going to be putting money into your home, you might as well finance it with equity from the home. And you're exactly right. It's definitely less expensive. The rate's going to be lower. The costs are going to be lower than putting the money on a credit card or getting a personal loan uh, that's not tied to real estate. Those rates are always going to be higher 
Um, so speaking about the, the um, cash equity um, refinance, so a lot of people use also that as a strategy to purchase a new home. Yeah, so that's a great strategy. So in, in our area, a lot of people have a good amount of equity in their current home. And as we know, with the competitive market, you it's really challenging to find a scenario where you can write a contingent offer. Mm -hmm. and, and some people want to keep the residence that they're currently in to become a rental after they move into the new home. So one of the strategies that we'll use is doing a cash out refinance on the existing home, pulling that money out. And I always recommend that we do that about six months before the client wants to find another property to purchase just so that they're they're not in a time crutch because refinances do take longer to process than a purchase does so it's always best if we can do that ahead of time and just the client could just put the money in a very conservative investment earn some kind of interest um with money this this cheap it's a great alternative. And then the money is just sitting there. And when that right house comes along, it can be used towards the down payment of that next purchase without needing to do what we call a bridge loan, which can be a lot more costly. Yep. Or just straight up doing a contingent offer because you're trying to sell the property too. So it allows yeah. a bit more flexibility there. And to be more competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. What else are you seeing uh, as far as buyers that you're helping them with as far as the pre-approval? Yeah. Obviously we know that every, you know, not every single, but the majority of transactions that are happening out there right now are definitely multiple scenario. Um, yeah. Single family townhomes. Um, so what, what are the types of things that you're recommending to your buyers and kind of talking about with the agents that you've been working with? Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, there's a few different trends. So we're seeing a big uptick in first time home buyers. And a lot of this has been predicated on coming out of this pandemic. Companies have revised their policies on remote work. Yeah. And a lot of companies have decided to go permanent remote work. So Previously, buyer would-be buyers were stuck in this conundrum of, would I prefer to live closer to work in a smaller space and not have a commute, or I can move farther out where I can afford the kind of house that I really want to live in, but then I have this commute. Mm -hmm. And so now that conundrum has been resolved in many cases because these would-be buyers either don't have to come into the office anymore or they only have to commute maybe one or two days a week. So it's allowing them to go farther out and go and buy into, the, into more rural areas, more the suburbs, and purchase a home and take advantage of some of those first-time homebuyer programs, lower down payment programs, you know, through the Washington State Housing Financing Commission, there's some some great programs where you can actually get into a home with zero down. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's always important to note when talking about these programs that everybody has a different and unique scenario. So they should always talk with their loan officer, get pre-approved to determine which program is going to be right for them. But there's a lot of great, great first-time home buyer and low down payment options for people. Yeah. Another trend that's really interesting is people can now buy second homes in areas they really love because again, 
they can work remote. And so we're seeing that trend of that either choosing the smaller home here locally and then purchasing a second home where they, in a market where they maybe really love the weather. Cadia, I mean, Sankadia has been a huge, um, yes. you know, force in all, a lot of people have chosen to, to purchase over there and because it's an hour and 15 minutes, it's so easy to get out of the climate here into the sun. Um, yes. So that is a trend for sure. And second homes, you can buy a second home with as little as 10% down, depending on what that purchase price on a, on a conforming, you know, loan limit, which again, in King, Snohomish, Pierce County is up to 741, 750. In uh, other counties, it's 500, nationwide, it's 510,400 right now. Mm -hmm. And, but 10% down is, is great. And second home rates are priced comparatively with primary residence rates because it is an owner occupied property because the buyer is going to be living in that property for a certain amount of time during the year. Yeah. So the second home market is really booming. Um, and again, like what I was saying, the re doing remodels, I think there's going to be an uptick in construction loans, uh, people going out into areas, being able to buy land again, construct a home from ground up. We haven't seen that trend in a while. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be, we'll see more of that for sure. Yeah, that's great. Um, so when you're working specifically with these buyers who are in these competitive market situations though, I mean, you start with the pre-approval process. Yes, um, absolutely. Saying, I mean, they basically fill out the application and why don't you talk just a little bit about you know, what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone's within about six months of wanting to buy, definitely get pre-approved. Pre-approval process is, is not painful. It's pretty straightforward. So we have a client fill out a loan application. It's all, it's electronic. So it's pretty easy. They could fill out the loan application and then we'll give a short list of financial documents. So I would say to prepare, it's always great for buyers to make sure they keep their pay stubs. So keep copies of the pay stubs because the lender's always going to want the most recent 45 days of pay stubs. W-2s for the last most recent two years. So keep those W-2s <clears throat> handy. Um, most recent year's tax returns. Um, for self-employed people, I always recommend too, it's great, if, especially as we're starting to go into a new year, get the tax return filed right away. Because in order to use that income from the previous year, the tax return has to be filed. And in many cases for buyers, that previous year was a good year. So of course they wanna be able to use it. So get the tax return filed. But the pre-approval process, it's a loan, filling out a loan app, submitting financial documentations, pay stubs, bank statements, W-2s, tax return. And then we do a qualification analysis to determine you know, what you qualify for, which programs you're eligible for. We do review a credit. That's where we can determine, is there anything showing up on credit that maybe a client didn't know about? They have time to get that resolved um, before it's time that they want to put in an offer because a lot of times what happens is people don't anticipate finding a house and then they're out driving and they fall in love with the house. And so 
It always definitely happens. best to be prepared. <laughs> um, yeah. What about gift funds for those maybe first time buyers who's receiving funds yes. from parents or um, mm -hmm. I think there's a certain amount of months that it needs to season, the funds need to season. Yeah, so the great thing is for primary residences and second homes, you can receive gift funds from, from family members or a fiance. So that, and that money doesn't have to be seasoned. So at the time, so if, if you go into contract and that then we will walk you through the steps of exactly what needs to happen. But generally speaking, what's required in a gift scenario is there's an industry standard gift letter. And in lending, we have to document the transfer of funds from one party to another if it's over 50% of a borrower's gross monthly income. And so the gift letter is the acceptable way to explain what those funds are and who they're coming from. And we just need a copy of the wire receipt. So the donor wires the money to escrow. And then we just get a receipt from escrow that, that shows that the money came from that donor for the gift funds. We document it with a gift letter. And then that's perfectly fine for the file. And that doesn't have to be seasoned. Now, if money is coming from a foreign, so let's say we have money coming from China or family, um, really anywhere, Canada, the UK, Israel. I've, had, I've worked with clients with all of that. And, and we can document it. it. It's not a fun process to document. So I will always recommend, if at all possible, to if you are using any foreign money or money that's outside the US, get the money into your US bank account right away and let it sit there for 60 days. Just because once it's sat there for 60 days, we don't have to ask about the origin of where it came from. And it's just a lot less documentation for a borrower. Yep. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the lending process sometimes be cumbersome because I think buyers and I always stress i know you set the expectations too but it's you know it's not over till it's over and you might right. be getting you day before even morning of closing you might be getting you know an, a request saying please update this or provide me this so um you know it's it's for a good good reason of course um but yeah it's it's always yeah. but good to do that all that work pretty much up front so yes. we're ready to go and especially in competitive market scenarios right that that you're able to say no they're fully underwritten you know, yeah. we just basically need to have either appraisal or, or wait, we have a waived appraisal or whatever it is. So it's as good as cash. Yeah. <laughs> I've always looked at it as we want to set the buyer up for success mm -hmm. and going in and making an offer. It, it's already, most people are nervous and it's a new experience and you're talking about a lot of money. So the more confidence we can instill in that buyer going into that offer, the better they're going to be. And so by doing that work up front, we vet the loan and we vet the client so that there aren't those surprises on the back end. No, I've never met anybody that likes bad surprises. So we try to, we, we really try to eliminate that as much as possible. But to your point, it's normal in the lending process. I explain to clients, this is a, an interactive process. Mm -hmm. I wish I could send you one list and that's all we're going to need. But 
there's no way for me to know exactly when the loan goes in underwriting, there's always going to be some follow-up items that the underwriter needs. So it will start to feel like it is a bit of a financial strip search and it is, but here's the good thing. We always, in, in this country, you know, we always learn from past experiences. One of the things that that financial crash taught us 10 years ago and this is why I don't think we'll be in that position anytime soon again, is through, the, through that crash, there was some guideline changes. And it really requires lenders now to vet clients to really go through and make sure they have the ability to repay that loan. And so by doing that, these files are well documented. And that's the part that I explain to clients is, I know it's a lot of work, I know you feel like you keep turning over documents, but the good news is it also means that the economy is going to be safe and yeah. you're not going to probably have to ever experience what we went through 10 years ago because these files are being documented. Yeah. Good. So um, I guess you want to talk a little bit about, well, is there any other tips that you want to kind of touch on that we didn't cover? Yeah, I, I think that some of the biggest questions I get um, with respect to, you know, hey, I want to I look at buying a house over the next six months to a year. Some really important things to, to consider if you're looking to do that is don't make major job changes. And when I say major, it's like don't go from being a salaried paid employee into being self-employed or 1099. Now, you can go from being self-employed or 1099 into being a salaried employee, but the opposite is problematic because with self-employed or 1099, you got to have two years of proof of that income before you're going to be able to be eligible for, for a loan. Um, if you go from self-employed to salaried, not a problem as long as you are, as long as you're a full-time employee and it's salary. Once you're on the job 30 days, you're good. Um, some of the other things that I'll, I'll notice too is if you're going to make a major purchase, like buying a boat or buying a car, it's just important you work with your loan officer just to make sure that that isn't going to adversely affect your ability to qualify for that price range that you want to qualify for um, when you get to that point. The other thing is, and, and this is probably a good segue into forbearance, is if you currently own a home and you're thinking about forbearance, you really want to think hard on that. So forbearance, um, kudos to the servicers and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac for getting out in front of this pandemic when it happened and helping borrowers and coming up with a solution so that borrowers credits wasn't going to be damaged through going through an adverse event. Maybe they lost their job or they were furloughed for a while and couldn't make their payments. The forbearance is there for people that really need it. And for people that really need it and are having trouble making their payments, they should absolutely take advantage of it. However, there, there are some sticking points to it. So if, if you currently own a home and you're thinking, well, I might want to refi, or might want to buy a home in the next six months or a year, you want to think twice about it and here is why. Because the way the rules work is if you want to qualify for a loan in the future, you have to exit the forbearance. If you're in a forbearance, you have to exit it. 
you have to bring the loan current, which means you either have to write a check for whatever amount you're behind or work out a payment plan with the lender. And if you, and then you have to make three new payments. So, so 90 days, you got to make three payments when they're due under the new loan terms before you can get pre-approved or refinance on a property. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's especially important for people who own multiple properties or they have one rental property or investment and they're yeah. looking at refinancing maybe their personal home, but then yeah. let you know the, the rental or investment property kind of go into for, forbearance. Actually, I had a client that that happened to kind of got caught yeah. up in that whole thing too. So yeah, yeah. Very, very important to know. So with that also, I think we uh, kind of talked like PPP when buyers mm -hmm. are going to uh, apply, how does that affect kind of their the whole loan scenario? Yeah, I, with the PPP and the SBA business loan, it really depends on how it shows up on their credit and whether the loan is required to be paid back or not. If it's a forgivable loan, then it really doesn't factor in. If it, if it is not a forgivable loan and does have to be paid back, then it does have to factor in to the qualifications. Mm -hmm. It also cannot be used towards like down payment funds, closing costs. Um, in many cases though, people got PPP loans back in you know, the spring. And so now when you're looking at the bank statements, the funds are already in there. So a lender wouldn't know the difference. So it, it probably wouldn't even factor. Yeah. yeah. And so then with the SBA loans where they are deferred payments, yes. um, those are basically, it's treated in the future as potentially your debt to income ratio could be. Yes. So even if they're deferred, much like how student loans are underwritten, even if they're deferred, we're required, like in the case of a student loan, if there's not a payment amount showing, we use 1% of the balance. Mm -hmm. But typically under the SBA loans, they will assign like a payment amount. And it'll note that it's deferred, but for underwriting, we're still required mm -hmm. to factor that in because lenders, at, under the Dodd-Frank legislation that was passed in 2010 coming out of the financial crash, lenders are required by law to fulfill a certain requirement called ability to repay. And so that falls under that ability to repay requirement where you've, you've got to make sure that if you know something is going to be required to be repaid starting in within three years, it has to be factored in. Got it. Yep. Yeah. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't get the loan if you have an SBA loan attached to your, your name or your credit. Um, more so just it affects the debt to income ratios and is taken into account with the, the entire file. Correct. Yeah. Yes. What other, I'm just trying to think of the other things we've kind of covered a lot of yeah. topics. You know, there's been some updates to guidelines, underwriting guidelines. There've been some tightening, especially for self-employed borrowers. So that's why I always say it's really important for self-employed people to file their taxes when they can. Um, we will ask for a, a year-to-date profit and loss. And so long as the income is on par with the year before, then we're able to, we always are gonna use the more conservative of the two. So, you know, with the pandemic and businesses being closed, 
as lenders, we have to verify, you know, businesses are back up and running. So we're having to do some additional requirements, like looking at a most recent bank statement to show there's really business income coming in. Mm -hmm. So that's really been the lion's share of the changes is, is really taking a critique of the profit and loss statements and looking at bank statements to make sure the activity in the business is on par with the financials. Yep. And, you know, there's been some changes to the bonus and commission income is scrutinized a little bit more. Again, just have to verify it's continuing, that there hasn't been a drop off in it. And rental income, that's, that's an interesting one. Right now, it's, it's really important for, especially property investors that buy rentals. If the property is currently rented out, if they're buying a property and the renter is in the property and will continue to be in the property, you can use 75% of that rental income to offset that payment. But if it's an empty house, then you can't. Client has to qualify with that full amount of, of the rental income. Got it. So and, income, do you have to do verification, like have the lease agreement? Um, you guys require all that stuff. Yeah, lease agreement. Lease agreement that just shows they're going to continue to stay yep. in in the house. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has been, and people that currently have rentals that they're renting them, we have to have proof that they're receiving rent because of the governor's order of a lot people being allowed to not make rent payments right now. So in order for a lender to count rent, we have to verify the borrower is actually receiving the rent. So it's, it's again, it's just two bank statements that just show, yes, we're receiving rent on the property. And then of course it can be used. Jumbo loans have had some guideline changes, mainly on down payment. Um, you know, the, the mainstream jumbo loans, the best interest rate loans are gonna always require 20% down. There still are some options to do 10 to 10 to 15% down on jumbo. Um, but it's the under, the income is underwritten a little bit more strictly during this time period with, with the pandemic, but really as a whole, it, it hasn't, it hasn't been too, it hasn't been that negative on, I haven't had any borrowers that were kicked out of being able to continue on their transactions because yeah. of it. So that's a good thing. Yep. I think yeah. for the most part, I mean, we did our, we powered right through March. There was a little bit of a fallout, you know, for um, us just in terms of being on the front line um, from some of our buyers that had change of employment or maybe they got laid off or, you know, during that late February to early March. Mm -hmm. um, but after that, everything kind of seemed to, to mellow out and we've been, yeah. pretty much, you know, status quo with our crazy numbers and limited inventory and, and yeah. increasing values, multiple offers and everything too. So well, I think it's really allowing people to think about where they're re kind of relook at their life and oh, yeah. reprioritize and think about where do I want to spend my time? Am I happy where I'm living right now? Do I want to make a change? So it, it's really interesting how sometimes a kind of a tragic type event can bring about some great opportunity for people too. I, I just see nothing, but it, I think in the future, we're going to continue to see more and more companies allow that remote flexibility. Mm -hmm. And that's great for the housing market. Yeah. That's really I, great. And I do think though, some people do like to get out of their house and separate their work from home too. So I think that there's a fair share of those 
people out there still um, that are like, no, I cannot wait to get out of my house. I want to go into the office. Yeah, I, the want office. To, I do want to see my colleagues or I, that's just how they operate, you know, maybe more efficiently than working at home. And then you have the other people, maybe de depending on what their roles are, they rather yeah. be at home because they're more productive when they are at home. So yeah. I think everyone's yeah. kind of finding where they fit in and where the uh -huh. priority fits with them and trading spaces, either upsizing to get a two bedroom, um, you know, so they have, I say two bedroom because of course the condo market, you always think right. one to two, but just yes. get a larger house uh, or home that will allow you to have that privacy for a home office. Um, or it's downsizing. I've seen actually, this is a trend um, downtown is that a lot of people are kind of on that cusp of retirement. Uh -huh. um, so they basically are now taking early retirement um, because they kind of think, you know, I think at this point, let's, we're going to move. Maybe it's down South to Arizona. Maybe it's, you know, yeah. um, New Mexico. Um, and just do that now versus waiting for two years, three years down the road. Mm -hmm. um, and, and some are able to work from remotely and then some are just like, no, we're just going to go ahead and retire now. And this is what feels best for our point in our mm -hmm. life right now due to what's going on out there. So a lot of life yeah. changes. Yep. There's some great opportunity right now in these downtown condos. Oh, great opportunity. I mean, there's some beautiful buildings, it, gorgeous buildings in Seattle and Bellevue yeah. that it's a great time for a buyer. If a buyer is sitting on the sideline and they want to be a, if they want to buy a condo, it is a great time because there's some great ones to choose from. Um, and it, it's probably a better opportunity now than it has been in the last five years. And yeah, I've seen the same type of thing where people will say, well, I'm going to buy a condo downtown. So, you know, I can have low maintenance. I can be right in the city. I can be near my office if I want to go to my office. And then I can buy that second home in Arizona or Florida or wherever that second home is. And um, yeah, it, I'm glad it's great. That because I've been, I've been pumping that message for the past like three weeks just because you know, the inventory is at an all-time well high past yeah. nine nine to ten years. Um, we, there's a lot of beautiful homes. Pricing is coming down. You yeah. have the interest rates, and and really for buyers right now, specifically in that October November time frame, mm -hmm. it's really just a, a great time for them. Um, I do see that a lot of, and even these are the conversations I'm having with our uh, seller clients. Is okay. Well, once we get through. October, then we could reevaluate. Maybe we're taking off the market and we're waiting for spring, summer of next year. Maybe we're taking off the market. The owners are moving back into it. Maybe we're taking off the market and we're renting it. So it's going to create a shift in inventory of the homes that are available right now. They're not going to stay on the market. You know, the owners will pull them. So again, if there are buyers out there that are on the sidelines, just need a little bit, you know, more of a push or reason to get in now. If you see that home, go in there. Even if you think that you want to make a lowball offer, I always say any offer is a good offer because you just yeah. don't know. And the marketplace truly is dependent on what the seller is willing to sell for it and what the buyer is willing to buy for it. So, and, and nothing else. Yeah. So um, I, again, I, I'd like to hear that. And I think there's a couple other colleagues out there that are also mirroring that same message right now. Yeah. It's like, time is now. <laughs> yeah. Do you find too, Ashley, that as you get into the holidays also, that the buyers that are out looking and the sellers that are selling, like they're serious. Oh, yeah. And so I've had some of my biggest months in December and that's because if buy, if the sellers have the place on the market, it means, hey, we, we really do want to sell this. And the buyers that are out looking during the holiday season, they really do want to buy. They're, yep. they're pretty serious about wanting to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
Yeah, we don't find too many looky-loos in that December time frame because it, yeah. it does take a little extra effort to want to go search for houses when, you know, you know, get limited daylight and it's raining wow. and all the other back and social just with your families and the different things that are going on. So, yeah, um, yeah it will be interesting to see how um, November and December, I feel like everything has shifted um, in the year just because March, April, May were so shut down. Yes. Um, so everything has been, which we normally see kind of the summer doldrums, you know, um, we didn't really see that. We rolled right through uh, it and we're rolling right through October. You said that you're having a great October. October is a pretty busy month. Yes. Yeah, for yeah. Stuff. So I think once we see those numbers come out and then again, the holidays, maybe we do see us just kind of pushing right through, mm -hmm. right through this and, and downtown specifically with the condos um, and kind of the state of affairs that's going on downtown too, to touch on that. I mean, there's, it's definitely changed in the last two to three weeks. You can kind of tell there's more people downtown, mm -hmm. there's more restaurants opening. Um, it's starting to feel a little, definitely more alive. Um, yeah. and, and it's cleaned up, you know, just walking around. And I've been walking yeah. around throughout this whole, you know, the whole pandemic, you know, just kind of witnessing everything that's been going on downtown. And it does feel like there's a little bit of a vibrancy in the air. So it's not going to take much yeah. for things to kind of switch around, especially when the companies start kind of actually coming out and saying, you know, we're, this is when we're planning on coming back. We're phasing our employees back, you know, to come back to work. Um, it'll just take off mm -hmm. just like that. So, yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. And, and, and I agree. We are seeing, we are seeing like as things open up, you know, there's a bit more of a vibe going on downtown. And as these, as these COVID restrictions have, have come up, I saw just a couple of days ago that the governor has now allowing open houses again, which is great. Um, you know, in restaurants, you know, we're able to do the in, indoor seating now, which is, which is great for these business owners. A lot yeah. of them are modifying how they're, I mean, the restrictions are horrible, right? Because if you, but they also made the business owners shift how yes. they are servicing their clientele and the customers and everyone, um, you know, that, that I've seen or the people, places that we go regularly have all made this kind of pivot in their business um, yeah. and they're all complying and it's all safe and, and going that extra step. Um, to protect themselves, protect their, you know, customers and clients and all that sort of thing. So it's um, been interesting to kind of just see everyone evolve. I mean, we've done it with the virtual open and the masks and our limited, mm -hmm. you know, you know, people in, in the home at a time. The open houses will be very interesting for downtown just because a lot of the condo buildings still are not allowing um, a lot of visitors into the building. Not that oh, they're as tight as they were before, but okay. they are... Um, you know, they have certain showing hours or they're only allowing certain showings for a unit per day. And that's on the stricter side of things. But I think all the buildings will adopt kind of their own policy. Um, and we don't, typically don't see downtown for the last two years for open houses. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of people walking around downtown, popping in and out on a Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah. If they're interested, they're seeing it with their client or seeing it with their agents and going mm -hmm. out and visiting the properties too. So, yeah, we'll be interesting. Well, I think that that's, uh, you covered everything. Thank, thank you so much. You're so detailed and you explained oh. things just so like precise. And I know that everyone who views this will get so much out of it and we'll make sure to post your contact information and continue right. to kind of refer clients your way. Um, anything else you want to touch on or end on at this point? 
No, I think um, just, you know, I think we covered some great ground. We covered some great questions that I know I get on a regular basis. And um, yeah, it's a great time. If you're a buyer, it's a great time. Yeah, good. We'll, we'll end on that. Thank you so much, Chris. You're welcome. Great talking with you. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend. Yeah, happy Friday. You too. <laughs> All, right, All right, thanks everyone. Take care. Right. You have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.